Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTB. This week's message is brought to us by Joyce Dalrymple, a member of our teaching team. She's preaching from Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Good morning. It's so good to be back with you. My youngest daughter hates physical activity. She doesn't even like to walk to school, um, which is like a 10-minute walk. Um, But there's one day a year where she can walk for miles. Um, Does anyone have a guess on what day of the year is that she can walk and walk and not get tired? Yes, you guys know. It's Halloween. Okay, so she loves candy. She loves Halloween. And um, this year, I took her and... She has this pretty big size, you know, bucket, filled it to the brim. She's so, so pleased. Uh, Well, she has two older sisters, and when they go trick-or-treating, they go out with their own friends now because they're old enough. When they go trick-or-treating, they bring big pillowcases, um, and they fill, like, the whole pillowcase. So my daughter, Hannah, is so happy we get home. She's, like, sorting her candy. She's happy until her older sisters get home, and she sees their candy, and all of a sudden, it takes like one second, she goes from joy to jealousy. Has that ever happened to you? Um, Maybe you are so excited about spring break, and you are going to the beach, and I'm not talking like the dunes to the lake, I'm talking the ocean, because we live in the Midwest, and it's a big deal to go to the beach. So you're talking to your friend, you're like, guess where I'm going for spring break? I'm so excited, I'm going to the beach. She's like, yeah, that's great, I'm going to Paris. (laughs) All right, so um, coveting, the definition um, from the dictionary says that it's an intense desire for something that belongs to another. Is this just part of being human? Is it sinful? If I asked all of you to raise your hands, if you ever coveted, I bet every single hand would be raised. Of course, we get why. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Even do not give false testimony to your neighbor. I get why that made it into the Ten Commandments. But coveting, does it really belong in God's top ten? The title of my sermon is what's the big deal about coveting? The other nine commandments concern actions, what you must or must not participate in. But this 10th commandment is different. It's dealing with the desires, the desires of your heart. Let's read the commandment again. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This all-encompassing commandment regarding the desires of our heart feels really hard, if not impossible, to obey perfectly. But I think God included it because he wants us to know that coveting is a big deal. He is focused not merely on behavior modification, but on heart transformation. Let me say that again. God cares not only about behavior modification, but heart transformation. 
Now, if you thought you're doing pretty good at following God's top 10 up until this point, I hate to burst your bubble, but in the New Testament, Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, and he ups the ante on the Ten Commandments. He's like, if you so much as get angry with your brother or sister, you will be under the same judgment as if you committed murder. He's like, if you so much as look at someone lustfully, you have committed adultery in your heart. The Pharisees were all about following the Ten Commandments, the laws of the Old Testament to a T. They thought they were righteous, that they were better than the others because of how well they were doing in following these, these laws. But Jesus was upset at them for spending so much attention on staying clean externally when their hearts were hardened towards him. What's the use of being clean on the outside if our hearts are dark and dirty on the inside? You see, Jesus wants to purify us from the inside out. Striving to follow the Ten Commandments won't change our hearts, but what it will do will will actually show us how far we fall short of that and how much we need the help of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside and empower us to live out these commandments. In humility, we acknowledge that we cannot live holy lives in our own strength. We receive the good news that God has sent help through his Son and the Holy Spirit to forgive us and to empower us to live lives that can glorify him. And that requires faith and reliance, moment by moment upon Jesus. Okay, back to coveting. So I'm going to give you three reasons why coveting is a big deal. And then we'll talk about some practices that will help us cultivate a heart of contentment. Coveting is a big deal because coveting is idolatry. Coveting leads to destruction, and coveting makes us miserable. So let's take the first one. Coveting is idolatry. Earlier I said the dictionary defines coveting as an intense desire for something that belongs to someone else. I would add that this desire causes us to lose our contentment in God. So you're seeking your contentment from other places other than God. And that's what makes coveting idolatry. Several times in the New Testament, Paul equates covetousness with idolatry. Colossians 3.5. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Ephesians 5.5. Paul says, for this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or covetous person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. The Ten Commandments begins with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, don't have idols. The, ten com- the last commandment, this one, do not covet, is also about not having idols. So the Ten Commandments are kind of bookended by essentially the same mandate. 
Our God is a jealous God. He alone is worthy of all of our allegiance, all of our worship, all of our praise. He alone can satisfy us. When I came last time to preach on the second commandment, we um, talked about worship, how we're made to worship God. God created us for worship. And if we're not worshiping God, we will be worshiping something else. Even for people who are atheists or profess that they don't worship anything, they are unconsciously worshiping something. It's not a question of whether you worship, but what you worship, which is why John Calvin refers to the human heart as an idol factory. Instead of believing that only God can satisfy our deepest needs, we believe the lie that we will only be satisfied if we have something else that someone else has. Coveting is believing that lie. Coveting may be more subtle than worshiping a golden calf, right? Which is essentially the same thing, idolatry. The second reason why coveting is a big deal is that it leads to destruction. And left unchecked, coveting can lead to envy, jealousy, all kinds of sins. It can destroy our relationship with God and with others. Coveting goes down a dark and dangerous path. The 10th commandment is God's way of giving us a big danger sign. So check out this one, I love it. I'm kind of standing in front of it. Um, but I am convinced that a mom wrote this sign because <laughs> she lists out, I don't know exactly who wrote this, but it says, caution, capital letters, beware of cliff falls. These cliffs can be dangerous. Do not climb on the cliff face. Stay away from the edge of the cliffs. Do not picnic or sit near the bottom of the cliffs. In case you didn't get it, beware, in capital letters, exclamation point. Um, and I kind of love this because this is how I would talk to my kids, like just all the list, all the different things. Um, he's covering all the bases. And when God gave us this commandment, God is like giving us a big sign. And he could have just said, do not covet, period. Um, just like he said, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. He just kind of left it at that, right? But this commandment, he says, do not covet. Do not covet your neighbor's house, like where they would live. Your neighbor's wife, the spouse, or the girlfriend or boyfriend. Their male or female servant, the help that they have, you know, those things that make your life easier. Their ox or donkey, that's like your mode of transportation, your car, or it could be like your livelihood. And then just in case um, you think you might be able to kind of get a loophole in there and cover something, he says anything that belongs to your neighbor, like a catch-all phrase. Um, sooner or later, Coveting will lead to bad things happening to you. And so this is like God's big danger caution sign. None of us are immune to the dangers of coveting. Coveting even like King David, who was known as a man after God's own heart, led him down a path of adultery and murder. It began with David's wandering eyes. He saw a beautiful woman bathing, Bathsheba, and instead of looking away, that led him to sleep with her. She conceived a child. Then in order to cover up Bathsheba's pregnancy, he brought Uriah back um, from fighting in the fields. And, order, and, and when, he, when he came back from the fields, um, he wanted Uriah to sleep with 
uh, Bathsheba to cover up the pregnancy, but Uriah had too much integrity to do that while his fellow soldiers were out fighting. So then that led David to plot Uriah's death. And all of that began with coveting. Coveting opens the door to all kinds of evil. It's like the rocks tumbling down the cliff, gaining momentum as it goes. If you think about it, all of these sins begins with coveting. Stealing begins with coveting. Wanting something that someone else has. Adultery begins with coveting. Murder begins with coveting. And before you know it, you're buried under the rocks. James 4, verses 1 to 2 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you have not asked God. 1 Timothy 6, 9-10 Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. David experienced actually many griefs, severe consequences for his adultery, um, adultery and murder. The prophet Nathan confronted David and told him that a sword would not depart from his house. Calamity from his own house would occur, and those things came to pass. David and Bathsheba's firstborn um, died, and then David's sons rebelled and rose up against him. But it's never too late to repent. Because David repented, he was forgiven. And he wrote this um, moving psalm, Psalm 51. For I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That psalm is full of humility. We need to be humble and realize that we are vulnerable to coveting and all of these different sins and guard against them before they occur. Guard against coveting. We also need to be humble when we sin and be quick to repent and turn back to God. The third reason coveting is a big deal is because coveting makes us miserable. It breeds discontentment with what God has provided us. After I graduated from law school, I thought that I deserved to land a good job. I had worked really hard, studied so much during school, and my peers, who I thought didn't study as much as I did, were getting these great jobs. So as I applied and got rejected and waited and waited, I began to doubt God's goodness to me. I had bought into certain lies. I thought that if you study hard, if you get into a good school and go to, go, go to law school, earn good grades, that you are promised a good job. That promise isn't in the Bible, you guys. I thought that if you do all of those things that you're supposed to do, you deserve 
to be rewarded. We don't deserve anything, you guys. Like, all of the good things that we have been given in our life is a gift. It's a grace from God. I also believe the lie that landing my dream job would somehow make me happy. Um, and it may make you happy for a little while, but um, that's not what it's all about. Like, it isn't just about the American dream. You know, our parents, like many of your parents may be immigrants and they sacrificed for you. And there's this dream, American dream that we buy into that we get a good education, we work hard, and then we make it when we get a good job. Like, we make it and we live happily ever after. Um, it doesn't work that way, you guys. Um, when you chase after false promises sooner or later, um, you're going to, like, happiness isn't going to come that way. You're going to get disappointed. And that's actually a grace. Because it's like when you're a kid and you are trick-or-treating on Halloween, you're filling your bucket with candy, you think it's going to make you happy, um, you eat as much candy as you can, you want more candy, you are going to start rotting if your parent doesn't stop you from eating on it. You're going to get a stomachache. Your teeth are going to start rotting. You are not going to be happy if you get all of the candy that you want. Um, and for me, I, I was upset because I thought that God wasn't filling up my bucket with good stuff, with candy, but, um, and that God wasn't providing for me. I couldn't see that actually the source of my unhappiness was my own coveting. It wasn't the lack of God's provision. John Piper reminds us that faith is actually experiencing contentment in God, in Jesus. And the fight of faith is the fight to keep our heart contented in Christ. It's really believing and keep on believing that he will meet our deepest need, that he will satisfy every longing. And that kind of contentment isn't based on circumstance. It's based in Christ, who is unchanging. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 4, 12 to 13, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things that give me strength. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 8 reminds us, that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. We are God's beloved children. We have a good, good Father who promises to never leave or forsake us. That's the promise he's given us, himself. That is the greatest promise. Um, and if we embrace that truth, that having Christ is better than anything else and truly experience that, we will find our hearts satisfied in him. And then coveting whatever thing will lose its allure. That is the secret of a fulfilling life. How do we live a life of contentment in God? I'm going to give you four practices um, that, that will help us kind of turn away from coveting and turn toward God and cultivate contentment. The first is to contemplate God's character. Commune with him. The second, count your blessings. The third, consider social media. And fourth, cultivate generosity. So I'm going to briefly touch on these four. First, contemplate God's character. 
And we can do that through praise and worship and read the Bible and learn about who he is. Um, I love kind of learning about the names of God that are listed in the Bible. And um, as we do that, commune with him. Um, communing with God fills us. Um, it satisfies our soul like living water. Um, one of the things that I especially love to do is just take walks in nature and enjoy the beauty of his creation. Um, sometimes we're so busy that we don't create margin or space in our lives. Um, and we really need space in order to um, have wonder, to appreciate beauty and art and reflect on God's goodness and faithfulness and joy, just spending time with God. Second, count your blessings. Anne Voskamp writes, without a lens of gratitude, everything looks like lack. Every screen we turn to, every road we turn down, keep saying that we don't have enough, that we need more, need to buy more, need to have more, need to be more. But the bridge to joy actually holds when we can whisper thanks more and challenges us to keep a gratitude journal. It's such a little thing to do, actually, but every time I've made a list of everything that I'm thankful for, it just changes my perspective. Um, and if we make a habit of doing this, I think it really forms us into joyful people who, no matter what your circumstance, even if you're going through a painful time in your life, we can experience grace and contentment. Third, consider social media boundaries. Um, we often just mindlessly scroll through social media and have no idea how it's affecting us. So my friend, she was struggling with infertility, and it was at the time when all of her friends were having babies. So as Every time she got on social media, it was like pictures of cute babies. Um, so she actually had to block some of her friends from her feed because she knew it was causing her to covet. And even for a season, maybe get off of social media because we have to know what we're vulnerable to and how, um, how it's causing us to struggle, right? And we also encounter on um, Instagram or Facebook like, these advertisements that are tailored to us. I have no idea how this is done, but we will be talking to someone, you know, I'll say to my friend, hey, I like that purse that you have. And then all of a sudden you get on your phone and it's like advertisements for purses pop up on your feed. Um, and this happened to me once when I was um, a bridesmaid in my friend's wedding and I was looking to buy a dress and somehow, my social media knew that I needed to buy a dress for this wedding. But guess what popped up on my feed? It wasn't bridesmaids dresses. It was dresses for the mother of the bride. Because I was already in my 40s and my friend was getting later, like very later in life. And um, that kind of jolted me. And I was like, I do not covet any of these mother of the bride. <laughs> But sometimes we need that jolt because it will, you know, un subliminally or unconsciously, these ads will cause us to get, um, to feel discontented with what we have. Like we will desire to get that thing or desire more or whatever that is. Um, and before you know it, we are coveting. So um, it's not a bad idea to just do a heart check after you've been on social media. Um, you get off, like, how do you feel? You know, how does, like, you know, you're seeing highlight reels of your friends' lives, you're seeing these advertisements, you're not even paying attention. 
but it can leave us kind of feeling empty or lonely. Um, and it might not be a bad idea if that's the case to um, fast from social media for a while and see how you feel after that. Each of us should discern and be thoughtful about what good social media boundaries and um, good usage practices are for us. And lastly, cultivate generosity. Um, I heard that, you know, if we're struggling with something like the love of money or we're feeling like, you know, we don't have enough money, then the best thing to do is actually the opposite, to give it away. Um, so look for and pray for opportunities to be generous every day. And it doesn't have to be just with your money, though it can be. And it doesn't need to be a big thing. It could be a generous word, a generous action. You see someone in need and you serve them. Um, earlier, I said when we covet, we're actually using people and valuing things. Our desires are disordered. Well, coveting generosity is to use our things to value people and bless people, and it properly reorders our desires. So contemplate God's character. Commune with God. Count your blessings. Consider social media boundaries and cultivate generosity. God is so good. He gave us this command of do not covet because he wants to be the shepherd of our hearts. He wants to set up Boundaries for our safety and flourishing. He doesn't want us to run around like crazy kids on Halloween, filling up our bucket with candy that will only be sweet for us in the moment, but ultimately isn't good for us. God invites us to come and fill our bucket with the only thing that can truly satisfy us, himself. Amen. Let me pray for us. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.